Hi, my name is A.D. Silverstein, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. This episode will feature Adrian Teacher, and you're listening to Emily Carpunks by Adrian Teacher and the Subs. Every now and again, I like to play this game where I randomly pick a city somewhere in the world and see if I can find a cool new band there by doing a Google search. Usually I don't find anything great, but it's always fun. So a few months back, I decided to run a search on the best bands in Vancouver, British Columbia. I clicked on a random band camp page and as expected, the music wasn't great. But there was a suggestion at the bottom of the screen for a band called Adrian Teacher and the Subs. I thought their name was kind of funny and decided to check them out. The first song I listened to was called Emily Carpunks. I hit play and immediately knew that I had found what I was looking for. So Emily Carpunks is on a record called Terminal City. What inspired that record? Here in Vancouver, you know, we've had a sort of crazy sort of housing uh, bubble. And um, I was sort of just trying to document uh, like what, what I was hearing around me, seeing buildings disappear and, and seeing uh, people being displaced from a place that I really love to live in was, is, has been really bizarre. And uh, the nickname of our city is, you know, one of the nicknames is Terminal City, but um, you know, there's definitely a sense of something dying. Just trying to be a reporter in that record. So who's Emily Carr and what's the song about? Oh, uh, Emily Carr was uh, best known for uh, painting uh, trees. Like, uh, so she's, she, she was like, like a really fantastic um, visual artist, painter, turn of the century kind of thing. Um, and she was just like a total, total punk, like just... Like she had a pet monkey and like she, she lived in a trailer and she was just like this really eccentric, beautiful spirit. And, um, you know, she was uh, visited a lot of the first nations communities and painted totem poles and then sort of in her own time, um, you know, wasn't really, um, that well regarded. And then sort of like after she passed on the Canadian, society realized that she was like this epic genius artist and um i don't know i I have a hard time sort of deciphering what i'm saying in the lyrics sometimes but i think um in in general it's kind of uh an ode to the the true punks you know another song that stood out to me on terminal city is called forget america ironically the tune has a very american funk-like vibe which suggests a sort of love-hate relationship with the country But the song definitely has a biting quality. And as a liberal-minded American, I get it. There are many days at this point when I wish I could forget America. 20 years of schooling They put you on the switch So 
So Adrian, tell me a little bit about the song Forget America. Um, I mean, I, anytime you, you drop the America b- bomb in, in, a, in a song or as a song title, you, you definitely get a reaction. And, and throughout my, my you know, uh, albums and songs and stuff, there's often a, a song with America in it. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just like, a, it's like dropping an F-bomb. People, you know, ears perk up and go, wait a minute, what's that? I mean, obviously, yeah, like, you know, um, our neighbors to the, to the south, um, you know, we have a, you know, a wacky relationship, right? So anytime, I don't know, I like, I like to poke, I like to poke fun. I like to, maybe that song was a reminder that, you know, we've got it pretty good at home and we don't, we don't, we don't need America or maybe I've also had a song called I'm in love with the USA. I have a song on a new record called Cruising USA. I mean, I just, I love, I love, I love throwing it in once in a while, just as like kind of a, a fun exclamation point because people typically they'll latch onto it and go what's this why you know what's happening here why are you are you making fun of something are you are you uh teasing our neighbors or are you you know so i, I don't know it's it's just it's just a wild card the joker you can pull out once in a while <laughs> One of the most interesting parts of my conversation with Adrian was when I asked him about his creative process. Here's what he had to say. Depending on, on who's playing what uh, in the band, like I have, you know, you have certain, uh, you know, uh, magical properties, uh, you know, at your disposal, certain colors that you can paint with, right? So I generally like to have someone that is uh, by far much more advanced technically at music than I am uh, in terms of like their ability to either to read music or to play it like at a certain level. And then I also counter, I generally counterbalance that with someone who is um, sort of more of a novice or on their instrument or um, maybe new to an instrument or um, maybe uh, yeah, just like a casual player. And, and then I'm somewhere kind of, maybe in between those two things. And so I think typically that's, that's, that's how I've always sort of arranged the bands. Um, Cause I think it gives it a really, I don't know, like a holistic kind of way of, uh, you know, presenting music. Cause you know, in life you'll have people that are really technical. You'll have people that are, you know, complete amateurs and, you know, everything in, in between. And, and I've even had people that don't play music. I've played music and made records with people that, you know, they've never even touched an instrument or, and you can always get something fantastic out of them because, you know, they're just doing it from a really pure place. Like it's, it's pretty cool. So before, when we were talking about Terminal City, you talked about the housing bubble in Vancouver. In light of that, what's it like surviving in Vancouver as a musician right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, I certainly don't do this as my sort of primary, uh, you know, breadwinning uh, at all. But um, yeah, like I think, I mean, the, the kids are just so tenacious here. Like I, 
I there's a really healthy, vibrant music scene, and um, the kids that uh, you know are playing uh, are just yeah, they just always find a way. You know, like I was kind of worried at the that point when I wrote that record, I was like, wow, this is getting really unsustainable, and like, how are people still living here? Um, but uh, a really key art space called Redgate. Um, managed to survive an eviction and by the Lululemon guy. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, that guy, um, owned, he's like a property developer now and, and um, he kind of crushed our space and then we, we found another one. And um, so this, basically like this art space is like a real hub for sort of like what's happening musically in Vancouver. And so we, we have a new space with a new lease, a seven year lease. And, um, so yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know how kids do it. Like I, I'm just baffled every time there's this great new band, and I'm like, wow, they're just figured it out. Like they're all living together in some house, or uh, they're just working five jobs, or. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's like if you if you love what you do, if you love making music, you just you just find a way, and you just uh, you just do it. You just always do it because you know to not do it is is yeah. It's not an option. So I'm not sure if all of your groups are on a record label, but I saw that um, I think Adrian Teacher, mm-hmm. um, that group is on You've Changed Records. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, like, yeah. if you could talk about the role that you feel record labels play in the mo- in today's music industry. Because, like, for instance, yeah. um, back in, you know, let's say the 50s or 60s, it was really clear mm-hmm. what role they played in terms of fronting money, let's say, to yeah. make recordings. Um, and then, you know, you would try to make up for those recordings or for that cost in record sales. And then whatever you didn't make up in the record sales, you would go on tour and make it on tour. Yeah. Um, but like in today's industry where a lot of music is kind of distributed by the artists mm-hmm. uh, and online, yeah. what... What what role do record labels play? You know, as what I've learned, like over the years, like even on a sort of microcosmic level of being in a band like my size, but like, yeah, sometimes like a label will, you know, have people like they'll have a separate publicist, they'll have a separate booking agent, they'll have, um, uh, you know, like the the label itself is in charge of you know, mailing out your records or maybe not. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just one person trying to do all those things. Or maybe, um, you know, you're responsible for pressing the record and they'll kind of try and hype it on their social media or whatever. Like, I don't know. It really depends on the size of the label, the, you know, who's, who's, who's running it. Like now, like you can book a tour by just hitting like Bandcamp and Facebook and Instagram and just being like, Oh, who's in this town? Okay. I'm going to book my own tour. 
So like the idea, like the roles of, you know, booking agents and, and labels and publicists, it's, it's also, um, yeah, it's just gone out the window. So you can do it yourself now. But that said, I mean, I think there still are the cultural gatekeepers, right? Like the, 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 the labels that, you know, define what is hip and cool and interesting music. Like, I think, I don't think that will ever kind of disappear. Um, so I think they, st- they, they do have a role and they, they, they do have like, as a, as a kind of, you know, cultural curation standpoint, like I, I, yeah, they're they're I don't think they'll go away. In my experience with you've changed, like they've just been so great about like just anything that I sort of put out there. They're just like so quick to just sort of, you know, hype it up and, Tell people about it, and if I if I if I can't get a show in Petersboro, Ontario, like you know, I just email Steve, who runs the record label, and say, "Hey, like, can you help me with a show?" And you know, he'll gladly help out, and maybe he has a friend there that he knows or whatever. And so it's it's pretty, it's just like friends helping friends, you know. Like at this point, I'm sure like Merge or somewhere, you know, like a like a record like that label that size, like yeah, of course, like they they're like so pro like you know get tour laminates and tour scheduling printouts and you know guarantees and and uh, all that stuff still the same it's just i don't know the artist just has so much more freedom to kind of like promote themselves in a really easy way um, but yeah like everything's changed even just records and selling stuff has changed like you know i read somewhere that like you know like ted leo or somebody like that you know they used to be able to survive on you know, kind of CD sales, right? Like you'd tour six months a year and you'd sell 50,000 records and, you know, you get the bulk of the profit because, you know, that's so cheap to make. But now it's like, what is, what do you even sell? Like, I don't know, kids, they buy some, they buy shirts, I guess, and they buy vinyl, but vinyl, the the cost to make them is, is so high that you, the return is, is so low. And I don't know. I just don't know how bands make money. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of a great lead into sort of my final question, which is, um, do you feel like the internet has killed the music industry to some extent? And what I mean by that is, you know, at a certain time, you know, not so long ago, Mm -hmm. it was clear what the product was that musicians were trying to sell, which was records. Um, And now because it, you know, everything is streamed online Mm -hmm. for free on demand whenever. Yeah people want to hear it. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what is the commodity? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you feel like that's hurt the art at all? No, in fact, I think it's the opposite. Like never has it been more, uh, exciting a time. Like people have been given a voice. Like we're, we're just like, I'm just, I'm so enamored with the music scene now because it's just like, you know, uh, so many more women are playing music, uh, people of color, LGBTQ backgrounds. Like it's just, it's just like this huge wave of change that, you know, even, even our band, like when we started 10 years ago and, and our drummer, Amanda, you know, obviously, um, you know, we would, we would play uh, a show and people would heckle us for like having a, a female drummer or, you know, oh, that's so weird. I mean, even we toured with Wolf Parade in the spring and we played sort of middle America, um, some spots and people were like, oh, chick drummer. Wow. So weird. So different. Like, I'm like, wow, this is crazy because, you know, Vancouver, like it's a very progressive place. And, and so it's just been 
it's like so obvious. Like I went to a show last night. It was like most of the performers were women or, 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 or you know, like, um, which is just so fantastic to me. Cause I, uh, at least our band, we never really felt like, like, like part of, um, well, we felt part of the music scene, but it was just, we were, we were sort of arriving at a time when it was just starting to change and social media, uh, and the internet has just made it all the better, uh, for people without a voice to have a voice. And I think to me, that's, that's the ultimate thing. Cause it's, that's what you want. You, again, to go back to the idea of, um, music being fresh and original, you need to have, you need to have freshness. You need to have like just new voices you need yeah otherwise it's stale and you look back and you go okay yeah well you know yeah we could sell records or whatever but it's like who cares like was it is it good music you know no like the music scene has never been more exciting like it's it's amazing right now when adrian calls emily carr a true punk He's basically saying that she was who she wanted to be and did what she wanted to do, despite the fact that it didn't fit into a societal mold. On some level, all musicians are true punks because, let's be honest, society isn't built for us and never has been. But on the other hand, in order to do something worthwhile, you have to break that mold and forge your own path. So here's to the true punks. Next time on the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. Most sort of nationalistic, patriot-minded people who think that their way and their country or their thing is like best and everyone else's sucks, they probably, the reality is they don't know anyone that isn't like themselves. And as someone who knows lots of people who are not like myself and has travelled all over the world and met lots of different kinds of people, I can categorically tell them that they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think our, our band is a is proof that multiculturalism works and immigration works, do you know what I mean? It's like, there's no, without, without immigration, there's no skints for sure, man. Tune in for an exclusive interview with the British reggae rock band, The Skints. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Adrian Teacher. If you liked what you heard, please download the podcast and write us a review. And if you're feeling extra affectionate, follow us on Instagram at impresario underscore official. Also, I'm always looking for new bands to interview, so if you know of any, shoot me an email at aaron.impresario at gmail.com.